1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. The Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. Today we are going to air the interview between Evan Altman, the Cubs Insider Editor in Chief, and Cubs top prospect Dakota Meeks. Meeks was drafted in the 10th round of the 2016 draft, and he's been nothing but complete fire since uh, joining the Cubs system. Last year, he split time between AA and AAA, a total of 53 innings. In AAA in particular, he had an ERA of 1.44, a FIP of 3.17. His strikeout rate was an incredible 11.78 batters per nine innings. His walk rate was 4.6 batters per inning. Uh, Meeks probably will be in the Cubs' radar to uh, be a bullpen piece next year, and he definitely has high leverage potential. So we'll air uh, a lot of good questions, a lot of good thoughts with... um, Meeks' development and his strategy and his pitch selection, and so on. Meeks probably will be at the Major League Spring Training Camp, Cub February. And of course, if you guys are looking for tickets to those games in a few months, you can always go through SeatGeek. SeatGeek is by far the easiest way to shop for tickets because buying tickets can be complicated and confusing. But there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices fully guaranteed. Of course, this weekend, there's a lot of good NFL games. The Bears are three and two. You can always get tickets to Bears games. I use SeatGeek. I just use SeatGeek to buy Rams tickets out here in Los Angeles. Rams are obviously having a good year. It's the easiest thing to do, guys. You just download the app. All you have to do is just go through their app, find whatever ticket or event you're looking for, and they filter through every choice possible to give you the most logical, cheapest, best option you can possibly have. Of course, I always use it. Highly recommend it. Best of all, our listeners, you guys get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the app, enter promo code CUBSRELATED today, that's promo code CUBSRELATED, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So enjoy Evan's interview with Dakota Meeks, and of course you can tweet at me at CUBSRELATED or at Corey at CFCUBSRELATED. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, you can find us on iHeartRadio, any podcast outlet we should be on there. And, of course, any feedback or any of those five-star reviews on iTunes definitely help us out. Gets us exposure, and we definitely appreciate it. So enjoy Evan's interview.
2: One of the things, like, obviously, even if nobody had seen you before, right, the first thing that's going to jump off the page, they look at your baseball card, or they look at your stats, the first thing they are probably going to see is uh, you're not you're not a little guy, right? Uh, yeah, good, pretty good size. Um, is that, is that something so, like, you know, sometimes, like, my son's in a little league now, and you can look out there and see, like, some kids are just, you know, they're 9, 10 years old, and they're just huge compared to the other kids, and you see others who kind of sprout late. Were you always kind of a, a bigger guy out there, or was there a growth spurt at some point? And then kind of following on that, is that something that you had to kind of learn to work with? I mean, not not all pitchers have that kind of size. Did you have to kind of learn to pitch? using your frame
1: um I didn't grow up like I was always like kind of like tall but not like the tallest kid in class like I had friends that were taller than me and then I think it was like around like session year of high school like end of junior high is when I really like hit my spurt and kind of took off being like I, I'm six seven now so I think I came out of high school at, like six four six five <laughs> um and yeah I mean I i for me, pitching at least, I don't really use my height too well, more just like my length. So I guess I've never really gotten used to using the height factor of it, but I've just kind of tried to focus more on the length and using my size the best I can.
2: So is that something um, – like, did you play other sports growing up too? I mean, were you were you into football and, and basketball as well as baseball, or has it always been kind of a one-track for you?
1: Um, I mean, I played football my freshman sophomore year of high school. And then I quit that focus more on baseball, but I played basketball four years. That was just kind of, like, I just loved playing basketball. It was fun, but I kind of knew that baseball was always a sport for me, I think, since I was a little kid.
2: Well, that's, and obviously, so, you know, going to Michigan State and having, uh, you know, pretty well known uh, with with Izzo and the, and the basketball program, and obviously uh, uh, D'Antonio's football program has been really good lately, but your baseball program, I know the Cubs have actually drafted, what, I think the last three guys who have closed? For yeah. the Spartans, uh, so is that, is there something in the water there at East Lansing? I mean, what, what's going on that, that, uh, you know, that you guys who have been working at the end of games, and, and I guess, uh, you know, for, for anybody else who might listen to this or as I put it down there, it's, it's what David Garner and, and Riley McCauley were the other two, if I'm, if I'm looking at my information correctly, but what's going on with that? Is that something you guys have, have learned from each other? Is that a product of the, of the coaching staff and kind of how they've work with with relievers or is that
1: just kind of this weird stroke of dumb luck um i mean i think it's just kind of weird but i mean for me like i played with riley mccauley i didn't i never got the chance to play with garner but like i obviously met him through the cubs and i mean i played with mccauley and i don't really know if i can say there's really a connection between us all like being closers and getting drafted by the cubs i think it's just kind of by chance and it's just kind of it's kind of weird how much the Cubs like drafting Michigan State guys because they draft an outfielder, too, Brandon Hughes. He's in South Bend, and I don't know. I guess they just like the Spartans. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's it, right? It's Of course, a lot of that, I guess, comes down to, like, hey, if there's a guy that, that they like, that they're there to scout, and, oh, hey, is this. You know, we're seeing some other guys as you as you come along through the system, so certainly sure. um, getting some exposure to that, which uh, which I'm sure the guys behind you appreciate, right? They're, they're there to look at you, and they run in somebody else. Exactly. They, they don't mind that too much. Well, and, and so, you know, in the time that you've been drafted, and you, you haven't been in the organization that long, but you've really shot through the system pretty well, which isn't something that we've seen from a lot of pitchers, in the Cubs organization, you know, over the last few years. And we've seen a lot of the different position players kind of working their way through. But I mean, you've moved so quickly. So as I'm looking through it, I think so far, so the, what the 25 appearances you made with Iowa is the most you've made with, with any organization or with any level so far. So moving pretty quick there and not even 43 innings at any one level before they said, Hey, we're ready for you to move up. Um, has that been difficult, you know, adjusting at each new level or or what what has enabled you to do that? Because obviously you're performing well each time you've moved up. How Have you been able to make those adjustments to, you know, a new town, a new league, a new set of hitters?
1: Um, I think for me, the biggest thing is just keeping the confidence that I can get anyone out at any time. I mean, I feel like, obviously, as you go up levels, the hitters are a lot better and I think the biggest thing I noticed is the adjustments hitters make and the approaches they have to higher levels, especially in A, Like, those are a lot of legit big league guys. And for me, like, I don't know, I think I just try to continue to throw confidence and just continue to do what I do and kind of just hope it all pans out for the best. <laughs>
2: so have you have you made any changes? Obviously, you know, as, as you discussed earlier, right? So you've you've grown a little since high school. Um, Obviously, you've picked up some different, having professional instruction, having college instruction, moving moving forward. Have you done anything specifically to kind of change your pitch mix or, you know, make any little tweaks for a little more movement here, a little more velocity there? What are the things that you've kind of worked on here as a pro to improve your game in the time that you've been in the Cubs organization?
1: I think for me the two biggest things that I've kind of adjusted, especially this past year, is I've worked a lot more on throwing my changeup. Um, I throw it. I used to. I probably count kind on of one hand the amount of times I threw it to righties the last twenty years of my life before this year. And this year, I kind of like had to work it in, especially in Triple and learn to throw it to both righties and lefties. Same with my slider. Um, just try to add a third pitch in there that those guys have to think about and kind of try to give me a little extra advantage. Um, and also, I kind of – I used to throw a lot of two-seams to lefties and mostly four-seams to righties. But uh, with, like, our analytical work with through the Cubs organization, we've kind of realized that my two-seam gets hit a lot more than my four-seam because my four-seam kind of has, uh, like – I don't want to say rise, but it like has ride to it. And it just kind of, it plays up in the zone. So we've kind of tried to scrap the two seam and throw a lot more four seams. I still throw a two seam every now and then to go into righties and stuff like that. But it's just kind of trying to make that adjustment to mainly four seams and then working on getting all off speeds in. All right. So that's, so that's one of those things. And and that's what I find
2: really interesting is, is with all the analytics that are available now, Kind of how, you know, your brain might be telling you one thing or, or tradition might be telling you something. Oh, here's how I should attack a given hitter, but then you look back on it and the stats actually say the opposite. Is that, is that difficult for you to accept kind of as, like you said, you know, with a change up, for instance, you know, you, you spend two decades doing it one way. Uh, is that something that's been really easy for you to incorporate or is it kind of difficult to break some of those habits?
1: Um, I think for me, especially when they show me stats of like the actual numbers that people are hitting on that pitch, I think it's pretty easy for my mind to click over and say, okay, it obviously doesn't make much sense to keep throwing that pitch. So I think for me that was the biggest thing is seeing the numbers and seeing the success people had on my two-team and just realizing, okay, that's not the best pitch for me and my four-team has a lot more success.
2: Well, so, you know, taking that, right, learning along the way – using those things that are that you have at your fingertips or that the organization can share with you. What what kind of things? So you just finished up the season with Iowa, right? You looked incredibly good down the stretch. I know I think only maybe one earned run over your last 16, 17 innings, something like that. Um, really got that ERA down. Obviously looking like things are pretty good for the future. Have, have the Cubs talked to you about the kind of things you need to do this winter and what kind of stuff needs to happen in spring training for you to, for you to take that next step? Or, or have you kind of thought about that internally? Like, Hey, I'm, I'm at triple A. I just finished up, looked really good there. There's really only one more step. Uh, do you allow yourself to think about that and have the Cubs told you about what you need to do to get to
1: Chicago? Um, I mean, I think for me during the season, I don't really think too much about it, but I know now going into the off season, I know for me, like, what I got to do is just kind of getting in shape, hitting the off-season weights, and then I usually pick up my throwing program around end of December, early January, so until then, I mean, it's really just, for me, it's just kind of lifting and staying in shape, and I I can't really do too much baseball stuff the next two, three months until I start throwing again, so, I mean, I just am going to try to do everything I can to come into camp ready, and they could push for the big out of cast. so we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Now, have any of the guys, so obviously, you know, being there at Iowa, uh,
2: having a lot of those guys, especially late in the season, you know, the Cubs are needing replacements, so these guys are moving in and out. Um, you get a guy like, like Dylan Maples, for instance, so I, I got a chance, uh, to sit down with him at, at the Cubs convention, uh, this past January, and, uh, and just kind of talking to him about the time he was able to spend with the Cubs last season around guys like Kyle Hendricks and Wade Davis and, and just kind of mentally uh, preparing yourself and getting ready. Have you had a lot of chances to, to sit down and, and talk with not only Maples, but, you know, a lot of the other guys who obviously have kind of been back and forth from Chicago to Iowa about what it takes at that next level and, and, uh, and kind of what things they're working to improve upon as well that you can kind of
1: learn from. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I was pretty good friends with uh, Maples and Rob Z and Mazzoni and all those guys, and they've all obviously were up and down all year, so you just kind of try to pick their brains and see once you get up there what it takes to stay up there and have success, and I think it's really good to have those guys there in Iowa. Obviously, I hope they're not in Iowa. I'd rather they be in Chicago for them, but um I think it's just good to have them there and Kind of learn a little bit about what it takes to get up there and what it takes to stay there once you're there. Absolutely,
2: Rob is one of my favorite guys. I actually got to sit down with him the year before, so he's just a dude like that. Having him in the locker room, I have to imagine. I mean, just in my limited interaction, uh, has been awesome. So I, I got to imagine he's one of the better guys to kind of hang around with. Yeah, for sure, he's awesome. He, he, me and him became pretty good friends over there. Nice. So that's so I've, I've asked a lot so far about kind of you know, whether it be the the actual pitches kind of mechanics or what you're trying to do there, as far as, you know, one of the focuses we have at at Cubs Insider, one of the things we really like to, to get into, we've got one of the guys who writes for us is, is really, really into the mental aspects of it. I like to cover that stuff. Um, and the Cubs have really done a lot with developing that mental skills program. Um, is that something that, that you've taken advantage of or that you've gained some things from and and if so could you talk a little bit about that and kind of how that's helped maybe with your development
1: um for me like i know a lot of guys i have never really been someone that is too much into like meditation and stuff like that and like this like i've i don't know i i've never really gotten too much into that kind of stuff i'm more of a just take everything as it comes instead of trying to think too much about it. I try to think as little as possible, especially <laughs> when I'm pitching. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I see, I definitely see the benefits in all of it. But I'm just, I've never really been someone that's been too into it. I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay.
2: No, I mean, and, and that's. I, I think that's one of those things too, right? It comes down to anything else. Not every, not everything works the same. For everyone, um, yeah. but I guess having it there certainly is uh, is one of those things. So let's let's go, and, and of course, part of that comes from. Again, you, know, you look at taking things as they come. You look at being calm out on the mound. Um, let's say you're in a situation, you're up there, you're on the mound, you got two strikes, bases loaded, you're throwing a David Bodie What are you? What are you throwing him to make sure that he doesn't walk off with a grand slam against you?
1: Uh, fastball, fastball, (laughs) because for me, I've always been someone that if you're going to beat me, you're going to beat my best pitch and my best pitch is my fastball. So he might be ready for it, but I'd rather he hit that than he hits a a hanging slider or something else.
2: Well, that's, and that's one of the things, you know, I've I've noticed again, and and just kind of looking through it, obviously you're a guy who can, who can strike out a lot of batters, but you're not dancing around a whole lot. You're not walking a bunch of guys. Um, and I think that's something, you know, the Cubs have talked about that, right? Needing strike throwers. Um, have you always been that way as far as just attacking the hitters and going after them with that fastball?
1: Or is that something that you had to kind of, uh, hone in on over the years? Um, especially my last year at Michigan State, I kind of had a little bit of trouble with command. Um, it's never, I've always kind of been not effectively wild, but, Like I'll mix in a walk every now and then, and I try to definitely cut down on that and just attack every single hitter. It's a lot easier, obviously, to get hitters out when you're ahead in the count than it is behind in the count. So I think, for me, I I learned that pretty quick, that you just got to attack hitters, and walks are usually going to turn into runs. So just try to cut down on those as much as I can.
2: Absolutely. And and I know you're also a guy who can go out there and and pitch – multiple innings or, or definitely go more than, than three outs. Is is that something that you know, does that occur to you like going in? Are you thinking about that or are you just going batter to batter? Or do you do you take pride in wanting to go out there and throw more than one inning or, or does it matter to you how you're
1: utilized in a given situation? I'm I'm comfortable really going as many innings as they tell me to. I'm I'm a definitely a batter to batter guy. I don't I don't look too far ahead. I don't I don't really I'm not too worried about who's on back or who's coming up that inning. I just kind of take it one batter at a time, and and until they say I'm done pitching. Nice. Now, have you ever? Obviously,
2: you know, we talked about your performance so far has been really strong, and obviously you've gone out there, you haven't given up a bunch of runs. But uh, I mentioned Bodie earlier. Um, You know, have you have you been in a situation? I I think he talked about it too. He's like, that's the first walk off he'd hit at at any level. Have you been on the other end of that? Have you ever given up a huge walk off homer or, or something like that? And and if so. Was that a, an experience
1: that you could learn from? Um, the the last walk-off I've given up was my last year at Michigan State. It was a uh, Friday night game at Michigan. So a rivalry Ooh. game, and I was on, I think it was like my fourth or fifth inning out of the bullpen, because I came in, in the eighth, and we ended up going, I think, 12 innings. And I had two outs and full count. I think it was first and second full count, I got a base hit for right. For a walk off single. After, I think it was like a 12 pitch at bat it came oh. to kill the single, it, right, to walk it off. So it was, that was a tough one for me. I mean, I was I was pretty upset over that one, obviously, it being a rivalry game and giving up the walk off single. But I definitely, not something I ever want to feel again. Obviously, I probably will at some point in my life. But it, yeah, it's never fun giving up any walk off. <laughs> right. Well, at least I guess there's, the, you know, it, it's, just, Certainly not
2: something you're going to feel in the moment, but at least you can go out there and know that, like, hey, you battled like hell for those innings and for that at bat and everything else. But I'm sure at the time that's, uh, that's probably the last thing on your mind.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like afterwards, like people are trying to say, like, I still did good and I, I wasn't having any of it. Like all I could think about was that last pitch. <laughs> no, absolutely. So that, now, how, you know, so we talk about that. That's, I guess that's the, the
2: backside of, you know, taking it batter-to-batter and pitch-to-pitch while you're out there. But how, you know, and and you talk about having to forget that, that next time out, right? Like how how long, and and that one certainly, right, circumstances are a little bit different there. But let's say it's one of those games. You know, I I think we gave up maybe – uh, I think a run in uh, maybe two runs in July, right? Like, uh, so when you're, you're not used to giving up runs, that's, that's not obviously the goal. Um, when you do go out there and maybe have an outing where you falter a little bit or, or where somebody gets the best of that fastball, how how much does that linger for you or how quickly are you able to just shove that to the side and,
1: and hey, tomorrow's a new day and let's get after it again? Um, I'd say, I'd say the, Pretty much the rest of the night, I'm still pretty upset. But when I come to the park the next day, it's I'm completely over it, and it's like it never even happened. Because I mean, obviously there's nothing you can do about it anymore. So I just kind of brush it off after that. I give myself that night, and then I move on. And is there something? So you, you know, you talked earlier too
2: about utilizing the two seam or the the four seam more than the two. Um, are are there times you've been able to look at that, like are you studying tape of that too after they're showing that and being like, Oh, hey, yeah, I did throw you know, I did throw this to him here and, and so that's maybe a problem with it. Do you go back and study that stuff or do you rely more on um, kind of the analytics and what is being uh fed to you specifically to kind of utilize that moving
1: forward? Um I'm I'm if I have a tough outing and like I feel like my I didn't have a feel for my off-speed maybe or my fastball was erratic, that's that's when I like to go look at film and see, okay, like, something mechanically was probably off or I was pulling off or something like that, so yeah, I definitely go back and watch film. If I'm walking two or three guys in an outing or something like that, then, and I kind of feel, like, I can kind of feel when I'm out there that something's a little off and sometimes I'm not positive what it is. So That's when I like to use the video to go back and kind of see and try to get a bullpen in before my next outing and kind of write the ship on that. Get those
2: mechanics dialed in and, and see what was, what was off here. Is there, is there something that you've encountered over these last couple of years that, that has ever been a like a persistent little issue that you've had to go back and, and kind of continually work on, or has it, is it
1: usually something a little bit different each time? Uh, the thing that I do mostly, I'd say I, I, it's not like common, but – my biggest thing that I focus on not doing and where I get into trouble is when I pull off. Like my glove side I just fly open and that leaves my arm dragging behind and that I got no chance once that happens. The ball just goes everywhere, so that's the biggest thing that I that's the first thing I go through if I have a bad outing. I think, okay, was I pulling off? Like and I kinda of look back and get to see if that was the case or not. Nice. And uh so just
2: just kind of um sort of wrap it up with something a little bit simpler, I guess. Uh, so uh, with the players weekend wasn't too long ago and, and, assuming that you'll be able to take part in that ideally here at some point in the fairly near future, what's, what's your nickname on the back of your Jersey for a players weekend Jersey?
1: Uh, mine. I was asked this question earlier too, this year. Um, it would probably be uh, a zone It's like big head in Spanish. <laughs> I wear a, uh, I wear a size eight hat. So I, I typically it's tough to find hats that fit me, and the Latins are big fans of making fun of that. <laughs> so that is that a nickname that you picked up since you've been with the Cubs? <laughs> oh yeah, It was ever since short season, they they were all over that one. Who gave it to you? Um, Anybody in particular, or was it just everybody? No, I yeah, I honestly don't know if it was one in particular, but a lot of them, a lot of the Latin players love saying it. <laughs> Nice. Well, it's, uh, at least you're able to own it, right? That's uh, yeah. that's
2: kind of fun. So that's cool. Yeah, for sure. So, what the last thing I'll ask here is, right? So this will go out there, sharing this with with some Cubs fans who are out there, and, and you know, a lot of folks are really into the minors and they're following everybody throughout the organization. But you know, a majority of fans are are really getting the first look at guys like yourselves who have come up. Uh, they're not going to see you until you get to Chicago, you know, or maybe if they're at spring training, uh, getting to watch you pitch. What's what's something that they should know about you, you know, as they're going to be reading this here at the end of this season, they're going to be looking at maybe over the winter. What's something they need to know before they get a chance to actually see you pitching in Chicago?
1: Um, I, I, I don't really know. I mean, I guess the biggest thing for me is just my love for the game. I mean, I, I've played baseball since I was four years old, and I know it's kind of cliche to say that, but there, there, ever since I think I was probably 10 in Little League when I started thinking fiercely in my head that all I ever want to do is play baseball for the rest of my life. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is just I love going to the park every day, and I can't wait. Like, the off season for me is probably the worst time of the year because I just get bored. The first two weeks at home, <laughs> like, I enjoy being home for two weeks, seeing my family, but... After that, like I literally start looking forward to spring training again because I don't know what else to do with myself. Nice. Now, will you head out to uh, to Mesa fairly early to get to get back into that, or you generally stay
2: stay around Michigan throughout most of that uh, and and deal with the winter there to feel what that's like before you get back out to Arizona?
1: No, I'll 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 definitely try to get down there as soon as I can because I I, I'm not a huge fan of trying to throw. I got to try to throw indoors here because it's snowing from December to. March, So I'll definitely try to get down there as soon as I can to make it a lot easier to get my throwing in and all that. Nice. Well, that's, uh, that's really about all I've
2: got. Um, I know I'm going to, I said, I'm going to try to put this all together, um, try to piece this in there and probably, probably get a, a piece out on the site here within the next couple of days. And then if you're cool with it, I'd like to take the audio and put it out as a podcast as long as that's fine with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. So we'll do that, and then you know I'll, I'll definitely uh, I'll share it with the folks at the agency. Uh, they've been they've been really cool about getting this stuff set up, kind of promoting it as well. So, um, you know, but uh, definitely appreciate your time, man. Uh, really, thank you for for taking some of the time. I know you got a lot going on, and and certainly best of luck with uh, finishing up those classes as well. Thank
1: you. I'm, I'm going to need that. <laughs> yeah. Good. What the, what what classes are you finishing up right now? Um, I'm an interdisciplinary studies, but social science major, which is just a fancy way of saying general studies, right? <laughs> so I just kind of try to get a degree and just have my have a piece of paper permission to say it with my name on it. <laughs> there you go. Hey,
2: but that's uh, at the end of the day though, man, that's, that's pretty impressive. It's cool that, uh, that again, you're going back to do that. So definitely, um, congrats on that. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll get this stuff out on the site, man. It was a good time talking with you. I really appreciate the insight.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much.
0: Cool. Have a good afternoon. Yep. You too. All right. Bye. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Betts, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. NYRA Betts players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200.